the fifth chapter in the book of Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. <clears throat> and uh, can you hear me okay in the back? Everybody okay? All right. I don't want you sleeping back there now. All right. I was, uh, we were in the shake, uh, handshaking time a while ago, and somebody said, I'm tired. I said, me too. And uh, I said, the advantage you have, I said, you can, you can sleep while I'm preaching, but I can't sleep while I'm preaching. So uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we'll try to keep you awake. Amen. How many of you are too warm? It's a little warm in here to me. Anybody like that? All right. Uh, fellas, if we can knock that down a degree or two, that'd be great. I appreciate that. And uh, Daniel chapter number five. And uh, if you're there, say amen. All right, stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Daniel chapter 5, one of my favorite books in the Bible, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is this man named Daniel. His, uh, his lifespan covers uh, several kings throughout the book of Daniel, and uh, we're going to read a, uh, a familiar story and make a, a little bit of an unusual application uh, this morning. Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the, notice little g, gods of gold and of silver and of brass and iron, of wood and of stone. Verse 5, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Notice verse 6, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Skip over to verse 25. And this is the writing that was written, Mini, Mini, Tico, Eupharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing, Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom, and finished it, Tikel, Thou art weighed in the balances, and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Thank you how it applies to us, even stories that we sometimes don't see in this direct application. Father, I pray that you'd help us all, that all of us will benefit from the message this morning because it serves as a stark reminder of our future and uh, the brevity of this life and how important it is for us to have the right priorities, how important it, us for, it, it is for us to put you first in everything that we do. I pray that you'd help us to see it this morning in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Daniel <clears throat> made some decisions as a young man that paved the way for God to use him in a mighty way throughout his life. I believe we were at junior camp a few weeks ago and I preached the message about Daniel in his younger days. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8 that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. And Daniel made that decision, he made that commitment to the Lord when he was just a young man. By the way, <clears throat> it's very important that we give our best years to God our youth to the Lord. 
Yeah, you young people, you listen to the preacher this morning. The best time to give your life to Jesus is right now. The best time to surrender your life uh, to the cause of Christ is right now. The best time to dedicate yourself to serving God, uh, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what God has in mind for you as your future uh, uh, means of making a living is, all of us are to be yielded to God and to His will. And the sooner you do that, the better. The Bible says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. In the days of thy youth. It's important that we give God the best that we have and, uh, and, and starting today. Uh, Daniel, he, uh, as a young man, made these decisions that paved the way. And as you read the book of Daniel, you find that God used Daniel in a, in a mighty way. And here in Daniel chapter 5, Daniel is uh, up in years, and uh, there, there's some discrepancy among Bible scholars and commentaries as to how old they think Daniel was when Daniel chapter 5, the events happened there. But he was at least middle age, and some think he was well up into his elderly years. But nevertheless, Daniel was at this time serving uh, a king named Belshazzar. Daniel served at least four different kings during his lifetime. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, King Darius, or Darius, depending on your pronunciation, and then a man by the name of King Cyrus. And some people think that Darius and Cyrus were one and the same, but again, that's up for some speculation. But Daniel chose, or Daniel served, to, under at least three administrations in, in Babylon, perhaps even four or five of them. But one of the kings who Daniel served was this man named Belshazzar. And the story in Daniel chapter 5 is a very familiar story, and it records the last night of Belshazzar's reign before Babylon fell to the Medes and Persian Empire. On this evening, Belshazzar had a big party. He sent out invitations, and he had this huge party at the king's palace, and uh, all the dignitaries of the kingdom were there. All the VIPs were there. If you were, if you were anybody special, if you were somebody, you were there at that party that night in, in the palace of King Belshazzar in Babylon. And on this evening, uh, the, being the heathen king that he was, it was no surprise that a big part of this wicked party was drinking and drunkenness with all the filth that went with it. And Belshazzar took the profanity to a new level when he served the filthy alcohol in uh, some very sacred vessels. The Bible tells us at the beginning of Daniel chapter 5 that he sent for the golden vessels that had been brought from the temple in Jerusalem. The holy vessels, the vessels of the, the, of the Levites and the priests that, that, uh, that were used there for very uh, 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 sacred uh, purposes in God's temple in Jerusalem. They were, of course, taken by Nebuchadnezzar when he ran roughshod over Jerusalem in 586 B.C. and so forth. But when they brought them back to Babylon, now, uh, years later, Belshazzar says, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's drink wine. Let's, let's have our party, but let's use the holy things. Let's use the golden cups. Let's use the sacred things from the temple in Jerusalem. And he took it to a new level when he served the filthy alcohol in the golden vessels that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. The mockery towards the God of Israel was apparent in verse 4 where it says, They drank wine and praised the gods, little g-gods, of gold and silver and brass and iron and wood and of stones. King Belshazzar himself led in the perversion and worship the false gods. But in just a few minutes... 
While everybody's having a good time, everybody's drinking, everybody's boozing it up, and there's no, there's no doubt dancing going on, and no doubt there's all kinds of profanity and, and uh, lewd behavior going on at that party, at that uh, f- filthy, drunken party. But in just a few minutes, the one true God would reveal himself. You see, may I interject this morning, for all of us, God always gets the last word. God always gets the last laugh. God always gets the last word on things. And the Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And boy, if that, if that verse had not been penned when Belshazzar's party was taking place, but let me tell you something, God was not mocked that night. And the reaping that, that, uh, that Belshazzar, uh, uh, the, the, the harvest that he reaped was to be sooner rather than later because that very night Belshazzar was going to die. Friend, make no mistake about it, there will be a final say, and no matter how it looks right now, God will have the last say. You see, I've read the back of the book. I've read Revelation. And many of you have as well. And it, it seems like, seems like, you know, truth is suffering today. It seems as if the Bible is not being uh, reverenced today. It seems as if uh, truth is made a mockery of today. It seems as if people, some in some cases, even people who claim the name of Jesus Christ, it seems, uh, are not living in a way that would please the Savior. But let me tell you something. I've read the back of the book, and at the end of the day, I'm on the winning team. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you're serving the Lord, you're on the winning side. Don't hang your head. Don't uh, uh, don't look down at the ground. Don't, hey, don't uh, uh, don't don't bow in disgrace when you're out in the world. Hey, you ought not be proud, uh, be, but you ought to be proud of the, the God that you serve. You ought to be thankful that you belong to Him. You ought to be honored, and you ought to be uh, to, to to feel a, a sense of gratitude toward God for letting you be part of His family. Hey, I'm simply saying, <clears throat> things aren't always what they seem. At the peak of this party, as Belshazzar and his cohorts were living it up, something happened that disturbed the entire event. All of a sudden, the music stopped. All of a sudden, the servants pouring the liquor stood in their tracks. All of a sudden, the dancers were frozen. All of a sudden, the drunken laughter suddenly turned to sobering silence because in Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 5, look at it again with me, if you will. The Bible says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now, I'm sure that at first glance, <clears throat> there, was a, there might have been just a, a hint of, wait a minute, I've had way too much to drink. But that brief moment was replaced by the sobering thought of, that's not just any hand. Oh, it wasn't just any hand. And by the way, it must have been a pretty prominent hand because the Bible says everybody saw it. And Belshazzar recognized it, and Daniel later identified it as the hand that came from God himself. And what Belshazzar saw and those at the party witnessed that night was the, was the hand sent from Almighty God that wrote a message specifically to Belshazzar. You see, apparently it was written boldly and largely across the wall and we don't understand it, but the, the Bible gives us the, the, uh, the words that were written, meni, M-E-N-E, and then it's repeated, meni, meni, tiko, eupharsin. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. It's really in your Bible. 
The Bible tells us what was written there, and then later on, Daniel gives the interpretation of what was written. The next verse says that the king's countenance changed and his knees were knocking against each other. Wouldn't you like to have been there to see that? You know, there's some things in the Bible that I, <clears throat> I'd give anything if I could have just been there. And I believe, I, I don't know this to be true, but I believe when we get to heaven, <clears throat> I believe there'll be some, uh, some virtual reality stuff for Bible stories, amen? Where God can just kind of put you back in time and just let you be a fly on the wall in some of these stories. I, I, I'm hoping that's true, okay? That's my request anyway. But, <clears throat> but I digress. You know, <clears throat> the, here is Belshazzar. He sees his hand writing on the wall, and the Bible says <clears throat> his knees smote each other. You ever been so scared your knees were knocking? <clears throat> I remember the first time I had to stand in front of in front of a crowd of people that I remember. I was in fifth grade, and it was the end of the school year play. And there was a we were on the mission field at the time. We had a uh, it was a very large uh, mission school there, probably 500 students there. And and at the end of the year, they had this they had this huge end of the year program where the elementary uh, kids put on this play and so forth. And and uh, and I was I had a very small part in the play, but I had to. I know, but please don't fall out of the pew when I say this. I had to sing a solo. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, I went out there on, uh, on this stage. There must have been a couple thousand people there, just a big open air amphitheater on the island, and everybody came out to see it. And I was so scared. And when I, whenever I read this verse about Belshazzar's knees knocking, I commiserate with him, okay? I, I feel his pain, all right? <clears throat> I was, I was petrified. And here's Belshazzar. He sees his hand writing on the wall, and he is scared to death. And by the way, he had good reason to be scared to death. He had really good reason to be scared to death. The message was specifically written to Belshazzar, but this morning it is applicable to all of us. You see, Daniel the prophet was brought into the, in to interpret the message that neither Belshazzar nor his wise men could discern for themselves. And I want you to listen very carefully this morning as I share with you the message to us. And the title of the message is simply this, the handwriting on the wall. The handwriting on the wall. This message was given in three parts to Belshazzar. The first two words were, were, were actually one word that was repeated, uh, mene or mene, whatever the pronunciation was, we don't know, but it was repeated to stress the importance of it. And Daniel said, hey, King Belshazzar, God has numbered your kingdom. He's numbered your kingdom. And then there's the word tekel, T-E-K-E-L, transliterated for us. He said, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. And then the word eupharsin, which is later on uh, given as pires, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. That was the message that was given to Belshazzar. And sure enough, you read on in that chapter, that night, the Medes and Persians attacked. And that night, Belshazzar went out into eternity. And that night, Belshazzar's kingdom was over with. That night, God made good on his promise that he had made through the handwriting on the wall. And the application of those words this morning, uh, I, I believe, remind all of us of three very important truths. And I want to share them with you very quickly this morning. We'll be done. Daniel said to Belshazzar, he said, O king, God is trying to tell you something. He said in that first word that is repeated on the wall, meany, meany. He said it simply means God has numbered your kingdom. The first thing I want to share with you this morning is this, our days are numbered. You see, that message wasn't written to us, it was written to a heathen king, but we can benefit from its application. Because there's something that we all have in common. 
whether you're the king on a throne or you're the parishioner in a pew on a Sunday morning in Waterford, Michigan, it's all the same. Our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. Belshazzar received the rude awakening that his time was up. And in Daniel chapter 5 and verse number 30, the Bible says, In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. You see, the night that began with drunkenness and blasphemy ended with death. The night that began with partying and reveling ended with Belshazzar's kingdom being taken away from him and him going out into eternity. And my friend, let me remind all of us of something that we all need to be reminded of, and that, that is simply this, our days are numbered. David put it this way, he said, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Look, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, for, and as it is appointed unto man, once to die. What does it mean, preacher? It means you have an appointment with death. I don't care who you are. I don't care how young and vibrant and healthy you are. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how, how, uh, how many years you have already lived on this earth. All of us, uh, every single one of us, have numbered days. Numbered days. And as Daniel stood there talking to this wicked king and said, Hey, <clears throat> your, your days are numbered. And your number is up as of tonight, King Belshazzar. Look, I don't know when my number is up, so to speak, but one day it will be. And I don't know when your last day on this earth will be, but I know that there will be a last day. For, look, why is it that we live as if we're never going to die? Why is it that sometimes we, we adopt this, uh, this attitude by how we live? Uh, we adopt this philosophy in the way that we live, and it's as if we think that we're going to live forever on this earth, it's not going to happen, friend. May I say something? That house that you live in right now, somebody else is going to live in it one day. You say, oh, preacher, it's my house. <laughs> Ain't taking it with you. Oh, <laughs> preacher, this is, look at all the things that I have amassed, all the possessions that I have. You're not taking it with you. I'm simply saying, one day, uh, it will be the day that we'll go out into eternity. There was a day like that for Belshazzar, and there's a day like that for you and me. It doesn't matter what our position is. It doesn't matter what our, uh, our level of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, social standing is or how much money we have in the bank. Hey, everything you have is going to somebody else. The Bible says we came in this world with nothing. With nothing, that's exactly how we're leaving, with nothing. Now, he said... Belshazzar, your days are numbered. And then I want you to see the second thing. The second part of the handwriting on the wall was the word tekel, T-E-K-E-L. He said, uh, King, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Weighed in the balance and found wanting. You know, we're all familiar with the symbol of justice and judgment in our country. And uh, I want you to picture it. Uh, there's this uh, blindfolded uh, lady, and she's holding a scale. You know what I'm talking about? It's the symbol for justice that we have in our society. And uh, this blindfolded lady who's holding the scale, <coughs> and, uh, and that, that, that's to represent that justice is to be blind. There's to be no respecter of persons in, just, in justice and judgment. May I say this morning that we serve a very just God? We serve a God who is 100% just and 100% fair all the time. You say, preacher, wait a minute, time out. I gotta, I gotta take issue with you on that right there because something happened to me and God allowed it to happen and it's not fair. My Bible says that God is just and right. Now you may not see his justice 
And you may not understand the way that he works. You may not understand that what the, why everything happens the way it does. But how many people have I, have I heard in my lifetime who have charged God foolishly and say, God, you've not been fair to me. Hang on. Be careful about that. If you really wanted God's justice, you'd be in trouble. You'd be in trouble. If God gave us all what we deserve this morning, we'd be in trouble. May I say, but for the grace of God, <clears throat> you'd be in hell, and so would I. So would I. Hey, <clears throat> we're all familiar with the symbol of the justice and judgment, the balanced scale, so to speak. But Belshazzar was told by Daniel, your actions have been judged by a holy, just, and righteous God. And Belshazzar, the God of the universe, is telling me to tell you that you have come up short. <laughs> wow. Mouthful. Hey, Belshazzar, I know you're high and mighty and everything, and you're in the middle of your big party now, and you got all your princes here and all your wise men and, and your, your booze, and I see you're drinking out of the, the, uh, the vessels from the house of God in Jerusalem, and, and, uh, but God's taking note of all this, and He's weighed you in His balances, and the judge of all the earth, who all the way, who all the time does right, by the way, He has judged you and weighed your actions, and you have been found wanting, Daniel said. You see, not only are we to be reminded of the certainty of death, but the Bible tells us that after this life is over, there will be a judgment. A judgment. Again, the verse I quoted a moment ago, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this, the judgment. There's a judgment for you. There's a judgment for me, you say, you say, oh, preacher, you know, it's, a, it's almost comical how overly sensitive we are towards receiving judgment at the hands of other people, if you think about it. We live in a day and age where everybody's very hypersensitive when it comes to being judged by other people. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You hear that all the time. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Look, judgment from people, may I say this with all due respect, judgment from other human beings is the least of your worries. You think about that? Now, don't get me wrong. All of us care about the opinions of others. That's why you combed your hair before you left the house this morning. <laughs> think about it. You got up this morning, and you looked in the mirror and surveyed the damage. And you thought to yourself, what do I need to do to look presentable? Well, if you don't care about what anybody else thinks about you, why in the world would you bother? Truth is, we do care about what other people think about us. But... Uh, as far as right and wrong and our ultimate judgment is concerned, we put way too much stock and way too much weight on and, and worry far too much about the judgment of other people. Hey, <clears throat> uh, newsflash, God is the ultimate judge. God is the judge. And there is a judgment awaiting, don't miss it, every single person in this room this morning. Everybody. Every single person. The Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That was written to save people. If you're here this morning and you are saved, that means you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You will stand before a judgment seat of Christ. And the one who is judging knows everything, sees everything, has unlimited knowledge of everything, and knows what you are and what I am not, knows all there is to know about all of us, and he's going to judge correctly. There'll be no argument. There'll be no appeals process. 
There'll be no, uh, hey, can I take this to a higher court? There'll be no higher court. <laughs> He's the judge of all the universe. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, there's a judgment for you as well. It's called the great white throne judgment. And those who appear at the great white throne judgment will be sentenced to eternal damnation in a lake of fire because you rejected the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your only way to heaven. I'm simply saying, friend, the judgments of other people about you is the least of your worries. <laughs> because the scary thing is that God knows all about us. And Daniel said to Belshazzar that day, he said, King, he said, you have been weighed in the balances of the judge of all the universe, and you've been found wanting, and judgment day is here, and your sentence is about to be carried out. The Medes and Persians are on their way into the kingdom right now, and they're going to take your head off of you, Belshazzar, and there's not one blessed thing you can do about it because it's a judgment that was meted out by Almighty God. And listen to me, friend, we need not worry about the judgments of others upon us. What we need to do is live our lives in in view of the fact that one day God is going to judge us and His judgment will be absolutely correct. We get real bent out of shape about, oh, so-and-so, what do they think about me? And so-and-so, they got the wrong idea about me. And my reputation with this crowd isn't, what it, it isn't accurate. Hey, <clears throat> look, forget all that stuff. Live to please God. Live to please God. You see, your reputation is what people think about you. Your character is what God knows about you. And we get all messed up about our reputation. We get all messed up about what people think and about what people say and about what others' opinions are. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the, uh, the, the news and everything's a, a public opinion poll. Opinion polls about this and opinion polls about that. Hogwash on all that. What does God think about it? Hey, it was a good day in our country when our lawmakers made decisions based on what heaven thought about it than what public opinion thought about it. It's almost comical how we overtly, how we're overly sensitive towards receiving judgment at the hands of other people when we ought to be concerned about the judgment of God upon us. Look, I'm simply saying, uh, at, at the judgment, no one's going to call in sick. At the judgment, nobody's going to skip out. At the judgment, no one's going to be a no-show. Hey, if you're saved, it's that judgment seat of Christ where the Bible says our works will be judged. Not, not working to be saved, but our works since we have been saved. It'll be a judgment of works about, uh, about what we have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this, every single one of us are going to stand there, and it's not going to be a party time, it's going to be a sobering time. Starting, starting with this preacher, all of us will say, I wish I'd given him more. I wish I'd served him more. I wish I'd loved him more. I wish I had demonstrated my love for my Savior to more people in more tangible ways. I wish I had not been ashamed of Christ. I wish I had not been uh, 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 a coward in talking to people or not talking to people about the Lord. Hey, I'm saying, why don't we live with eternal values in mind? That's what I'm saying this morning. Sometimes we live for the here and now. That's what Belshazzar did. He lived for the party. He lived for the glamour. He lived for the power. He lived for the prestige. He lived for everybody patting him on the back. He lived for all of his servants uh, saying, telling him what a great king he was. Hey, he lived for the here and now, but what he did not take into account was eternity was just around the corner. And I'm here to tell you uh, here this morning, eternity is just around the corner for all of us. Don't get so wrapped up in the vain philosophies of men and all the different things that we get all messed up about down here, why don't we look ahead and see that there's a God in heaven and we're, we're going to meet Him one day. 
We have an appointment with him one day. I said, number one, <clears throat> Daniel's message on the, in the handwriting on the wall was simply this. Our days are numbered. There will be a judgment for each individual. And then the final, finally, the last thing this morning, we'll be separated from this kingdom. We will be separated from this kingdom. Let me share it with you. He said, <clears throat> Daniel said to King Belshazzar, he said, the last thing on that wall, King, was the word Eupharsin. And he goes on to, uh, uh, to, uh, to rename it Peres, P-E-R-E-S, as they're transliterated for you, which means thy kingdom is divided. He said, everything you think you have in this life is about to be divided and given to somebody else, Belshazzar. Everything that you hold dear down here is about to be gone from you, Belshazzar. You see, one day that'll happen to us. Death is certain for all of us, no matter how healthy we are. By the way, I think y'all take care of yourself. I think y'all do what you can to, to, uh, to care for the temple that the Holy Spirit lives in. I think that's important. The Bible does say bodily exercise profit of little. <clears throat> I think sometimes we get all out of whack in our, in our thinking because we, we, we uh, are so wrapped up in, in, uh, in, in health consciousness. Again, I'm not being critical of that. I think y'all ought to be healthy. But no matter what you do, your body's going to die one day. <laughs> be as healthy as you want to be. Eat as healthy as you want to eat. Again, I'm not, I'm not being critical of that. Sometimes I can stand to eat a little more healthy. <clears throat> but until then, anyway. Uh, I heard a preacher say one time, he said, you can die eating or die eating. He said, I choose to die eating. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm not again, I'm not preaching as being healthy and exercise and all that. But hear me now. No matter what you do to pamper and take care of your body, you're going to die. You're not going to live here forever. You see, on that night, Belshazzar was separated from everything that he thought was important. One day, we're going to be separated by everything that we can see. The Bible says the things which are, that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. One day, we're going to be separated from the house and from that car and from that wardrobe. We're going to be separated from the pleasures and separated from all of the things that we hold dear, the things that we clamor to to, 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 to grasp onto and the things that seem to be so elusive to us and we work our fingers to the bone trying to attain this and trying to get that toy or that pleasure. Or, and again, some of those things are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but they become wrong when it takes our vision away from that which is truly important. Belshazzar lost everything of importance to him that night. His kingdom was gone. His life was gone. I'm saying his power, his fame, his authority, his fortune, it was all gone in a matter of time. And that's going to happen to all of us. The whole premise of the message this morning is simply this. Live your life with eternity in view. The handwriting on the wall is for all of us. If we saw... <clears throat> A big hand come out of nowhere and start writing on that sheetrock wall right there. We would have the same reaction that Belshazzar had. <laughs> We'd have we we our knees would be knocking. But may I say, though we were not there to see it firsthand, there's an application there for all of us. We need to live this life with eternity in mind. You know, the closer I get to eternity, the older I get the more I, it, it begins to dawn on me that, you know what, there's a lot of things down here that I've put a lot of stock into that aren't really that important. 
And if you'd be honest about your life, you'd say the same thing. The only thing that's going to matter when I stand before the Lord is, number one, am I saved? Am I saved? The only thing that's going to matter when I stand before the Lord, if I'm saved, is what have I done for the Lord Jesus Christ? Hey, some Christians might as well spend their life gathering wood, hay, and stubble as to do some of the things that we get wrapped up in on this earth. Because the Bible says, at the judgment seat of Christ, all of our works will be tried so as by fire, and some of it is going to be nothing more than wood, hay, and stubble. Have you ever lit a match to wood, hay, and stubble? It goes up pretty fast. It's gone. It is literally up in smoke. <laughs> up in smoke. <clears throat> I want to ask you how many of you spent a bunch of money on fireworks this year. <laughs> I enjoy watching them. I enjoy... <clears throat> participating in watching them go up and man but literally that is money that's up in smoke literally you know what <clears throat> the works that we do for jesus christ <clears throat> they are i'm sorry the works that we do for the flesh the works that we do outside of the power of the holy spirit the works that we do <clears throat> that are just chasing things and chasing pleasures and th chasing the temporary it may as well be fireworks because it's up in smoke or it will be because the Bible says that our works will be tried at the judgment seat of Christ, yet so as by fire. Why don't we have the forethought down here to look at our life with eternity in view and say, hey, you know what? I want to spend my life for something that's going to mean something five minutes after I'm dead and gone. I want to spend my life chasing the souls of men. I want to spend my life investing in young people who are going to carry on the Word of God after I'm gone. I want to invest my life in my own children to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they can train their children and so on. Why? So that this, is, this whole thing is carried on from one generation to the next. Don't waste your life. We all have a birth date and we all will have a departure date from this world. Every single one of us have taken a stroll through a cemetery. And you look at the headstones there. And you see the name and then the date. The date of the birth and then the date of their passing into eternity. And in between those two dates, there's a dash. That's it. That dash represents your life right now. That dash represents what you're doing right now. That dash represents what you're thinking right now because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That dash represents what you're investing in right now. That dash represents what you're living for right now. That dash represents all the things that, uh, that, that the sum total of everything that makes up the life that you're living right now. And one day, that dash may seem insignificant on a headstone, but what's accomplished in that and what's represented by that dash means everything as far as your rewards in heaven are concerned. It means everything as far as the meaning of your life is concerned. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, death is certain for you. Death is certain. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then <clears throat> you better have a good time and live it up right now because this is as good as it will ever be for you. I don't say that to be a bearer of bad news or a prophet of doom. I say that to be honest uh, to the truth of the Word of God. Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, after this life is over, the Bible says of the rich man in Luke chapter 16, and in hell he lifts up his eyes, being in torments. In hell. In hell. Hell's a real place. Oh, I don't believe in hell. You will. 
I don't say that sarcastically, but you will. Oh, I don't see how a loving God could ever allow anybody to go to a place of fire and torment forever. Friend, if you go to hell, it won't be because of God. In fact, it will be against everything that God ever planned for you. If you spend eternity in hell, it will be over the shed blood of Christ that God ordained before the foundation of the world to be shed on your behalf to keep you from going to hell. The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My friend, do not be so foolish as to die without getting salvation settled in your own heart. That's foolish. That's foolish. Everyone has a day of birth. Everyone has or will have a day of death. What you do with Jesus Christ that's represented in that dash makes all the difference in your life. How about it this morning? The handwriting on the wall, how does it apply to you? It ought to apply to everyone and make you think about what is your life going to mean in view of eternity? Only one life. So soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I thought, man, life is a long time. Time crawled. Remember that? Remember how long it was between Christmases when you were a kid? Remember that? Remember, <clears throat> uh, remember when uh, you used to think, man, Christmas is never going to get here. And you had all these visions of, of things you were going to get for Christmas and all that, and it, the time just seemed to creep by, especially once school started. Oh, my soul, there's time. You know, <laughs> don't ever look at a clock during the school day, kids. It's not, not a good thing. But anyway, but I'm 49 years old now, and time goes quicker and quicker with every passing day. I get to the end of a week, and I thought, wait a minute. It was just Monday. I just started this. Wait, 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 hold, time out. Somebody slow this train down a little bit. You feel that way? I do. My friend, one day we're going to look back and all of our life will be history. And once it's over, you can't go back and change it. That's why Jesus said, today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted hour. Hey, Christian, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to take a stand for God, if you're not going to be ashamed of Jesus Christ and uh, how you behave yourself and how you conduct your, your activities, hey, why don't you live right now? Hey, it's too late once it's over. It was too late for Belshazzar when the handwriting came on the wall, but it's not too late for you. If you're here this morning, you're not saved, it's not too late for you to get saved. If you're here as a Christian this morning, why don't you give the rest of your time that you have in your life, give it to God. Give it to God. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The handwriting on the wall. Well, what a sobering thought it ought to be for all of us.